Just a quick programming note, we recorded with three different microphones in the room this time, and I thought my microphone was fine until we recorded and I saw that it recorded kind of hot. So I apologize for a lot of the sound quality on my microphone, but I'm pretty annoying to listen to anyways. Hope you still enjoy the show. Join the Tang Soccer Team. Brand. Breakfast Beverage Crystals. I'm Pele, captain of the Tang Soccer Team. Buy Tang to join my team and you'll get all these things free. Get this stuff. Action poster of Pele. Official Tang Soccer Team iron-on patch. Rebate catalog that gives you big savings on Spalding soccer gear. Pele's best soccer tips plus a membership card. Official Tang Soccer Team application. Now your chance to make it official. Send in one label from Tang brand and check or money order for 60 cents to cover postage and handling and you'll be on Pele's team. Mail to Tang Soccer Team, Box 6704, Kennecke, Illinois, 60902. 1987, General Foods Corporation. Pow! Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. And I'm Hub. Autobots, transform and random banter. Random banter time, buddies. How you doing? What's going on? Who's this guy? Why is he in your basement? <laughs> well, um, I saw... A- I saw a sweet little yellow beetle come up to the front door, and it transformed. And unfortunately, the guy who was sitting inside just, like, it was it was ugly. It was really ugly. He didn't know he was in a car that was going to transform, and it really ended badly for him. Yeah, I think he left a foot back there. Yeah. Uh, luckily, another guy was following him, and uh, that guy stopped in front of the house and came out. And that's Hub. Oh, nice. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Hub. Welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Did you ever notice that it sounds like the Optimus Prime voice is a robot doing a John Wayne impression? Oh, that's awesome. Now I'm never going to hear that voice and not think of that. I mean, it I'm always so sorry. Like Peter Cullen being awesome. So. I mean, it's not one or the other. <laughs> yeah. It could be both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for the uh, Autobots introduction. I appreciate that. That was very nice. And welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. Um, I'm very excited. I think Jeff and I both are very excited to have you here because uh, you were the first person that I sent our pilot episode to and said, hey, is this any good? And uh, you were kind enough to actually listen to it and kind enough to say, yeah, it's not bad. (laughs) Well, thanks for making something that wasn't bad. I'm I'm a terrible liar and uh, I am not always diplomatic in these situations. So I was glad to be be able to tell the truth. <laughs> thank thank you very much. And you are uh, one of my big heroes in the podcasting community here in Portland because you've got a show, Tighten Up the Defense, that is amazing. Uh, you do some great stuff on it, and uh, you're a big you're a big hero to me. You're a big hero to a lot of people. I think that there's a lot of people that follow your show and love it. Oh, geez, uh, Rick. The real heroes out there are the teachers and the firefighters and Aqualad. Aqualad this, truly is a hero's is a hero. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> no, none no. of those three people I mentioned wear capes. Generally, yes. generally, this is true. Some of those heroes have gills. I assume. <laughs> Firemen, firemen have gills. Sometimes. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good ad- to know. They have adaptive lungs because they're uh, smoke breathers. 
we have gotten way off way field. off track way, way, way off, off track field. yeah sorry <laughs> no uh, that's okay. I, I i ever since our first episode i really wanted to get you to come on some point in time and we finally were able to make it happen with a um silly 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 comic book <laughs> yeah it definitely was that um yeah but i i i enjoyed it that's good uh, have you ever read I, i'm assuming you ran across power pack yeah so up. i've i've read probably about the first 10 or 12 issues of power pack yeah. um relatively recently i think there are probably some others that are sprinkled in there and i've really liked what i have read but have also not there's a lot that i've been meaning to get to understandable and uh so it's kind of nice that this is a weird random fill-in issue (laughs) yes like and i definitely have some questions about what's going on in it and i don't know if you'll be able to answer them but uh i i'd appreciate if you made an effort we are going to try our best because Uh, we have our own questions on this one too it is a fill-in issue (laughs) yeah this literally could be uh picked and plugged almost anywhere in the continuity nearly so or even just pulled out and be called a fever dream it's this might be ben Grimm in a fantastic four with this cold that he's got in this one just kind of like madcap so (laughs) that would actually make this whole thing make a little bit more sense (laughs) yes yes (laughs) it is a very much a fever dream yeah you know what let's just move on to this we'll get deeper into this comic book as we go jeff can you please give us a two-sentence replay of the last episode for as much good as it does us. Not a problem. <laughs> Keep in mind, this is a replay, so it's very important to know for continuity for after this episode. I didn't say this episode. Franklin involves Power Pack in a non-adventure when he tells them about one of his special dreams he just had about Snarks, which is actually a special dream about Sunspot and Warlock having pointless and unsuccessful heroics while in town. Well, Power Pack takes pity on the overly angsty and underly unsuccessful Sunspot, so they trick him into a superhero fight with Julie, who is disguised as a city-destruction-threatening bedsheet monster, so that he gets enough self-confidence to go home to the New Mutants, feeling like he is a real hero. Now that the Sunspot finds out he was tricked and falls into a deeper drama well so deep that Warlock simply says he is done with all of this and flies them both home, two-sentence replay is over, so why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. So for both of you guys, since this is an episode that deals with kids playing, I only have one thing to say to both of you. Let's play! Hey! Level beer! It's a dry hop pilsner! And it is called Let's Play, and that is a cool-looking cover. It's beer with balance. The label on this looks really great. It is kind of a stylized uh, Pac-Man video game, you know, the old-school kind of, uh, you know, eat-the-old-pill-popping uh, level. So it's, it looks pretty cool. It's a good-looking beer. This is Let's Play from Level Brewing. It is a Pilsner that's a 5.0 ABV. Yeah, it's pretty much as it is. It's I, I wanted to use this for a while, and I always thought this would be a good one to use this on because the kids are playing. So it's surprisingly dark for a pilsner, but that might just be because I'm looking at it through an opaque black glass. So the things this guy wants there, <laughs> look through it through a frosted glass. Actually, okay. look through it through, through Hub's, Hub's glass. glass. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a pilsner. It's a nice golden color. It smells yeah. kind of hoppy. So since we were dealing with you know the lovely uh, beer explosion, and you've had a chance to taste it, what do you think of the taste? Um, pretty good. It's more or less what it says on the box. It's a hopped pilsner. So it's light, it's pretty drinkable, but it's got a little bit of a, a skunky, hoppy flavorness to it. Not much. There's a, there's enough. It, it's it's noticeable. A, you can smell it. it the, sure. It does have a nose of uh, of hops, definitely. It's got kind of a cumulative effect too. Yeah. So I'm honestly not 
much of a beer connoisseur. I'm coming to appreciating the flavor of beer somewhat only in the past few years and of the taste of alcohol in general. Like I've enjoyed alcohol for quite some time, but I always viewed it as more of a effect than a flavor because they're pretty much every other beverage tastes better than alcohol. So I feel like if you're, if you're fooling yourself into thinking that, oh, well, I'm drinking this because it's delicious. Like, nah, chocolate milk is delicious. Yes. Um, I was until relatively recently more or less of the opinion that sipping your alcohol is like chewing your Valium. Uh, okay. You're doing right. it for the effect. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. That no. being said, I like that. Normally, this is not the style of beer I go for. Jeff and I are both stout and porter drinkers, mm. which talking about chewing your Valium, that's chewing your beer. Um, but it's a nice loaf of a beer. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of nice because this has forced us to try different beers and see if we like them or not. I've liked a lot of stuff that Level Beer has put out, Level Brewing has put out. And uh, this is just a nice, easy, sippable beer beer. Yeah, it's perfectly serviceable bread soda. Yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah, it is. It, that's a great descriptor. It's a bread soda. It's a. It's a. It seems like it's a really good light, uh, light summer drink. And um, now that we've got our beers, uh, Jeff and I will go through and talk about the comic. And now the opening credits, if you please. Power Pack, issue number thirty-four, January nineteen eighty-eight. Child's Play. Credits. Words: Howard Mackey. Pencils: Larry Alexander and Lewis Williams. Inks: Tony Dizunga. Letterers, Joe Rosen. Colors, Janice Cohen. Edits, Carl Potts. Edits with Teeth, Tom DeFalco. Featuring Power Pack, Katie Power, a.k.a. Starstreak. The youngest power sibling, she flies very fast, leaving a rainbow trail behind her. Franklin Richards, a.k.a. Tattletail, son of Reed and Sue Richards of the Fantastic Four, can send out dream versions of himself while sleeping. Guest starring... Alex Power, Julie Power, Jack Power, Maggie Power, Reed, Richard, Sue, Richard, Johnny Storm, Ben Grimm, and some guy named Madcap. That's all I really want to say about that. <laughs> Katie, stop! Na 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 na, you can't catch me. And so begins a day like any other in an American home. One sister tormenting another by using her superpowers to fly around the room and causing mild property damage. And it's not just her sister that is facing the destructive gaze of this five-year-old. You see... Katie is bored. Really bored. So after getting yelled at by Julie for using her powers at home, and for acting like they are only good for adventuring and being entertained, she tries to interest Alex into going onto the roof and doing some powers practice. But the older brother is having none of that. He has to go over to his girlfriend's house to quote-unquote study, which if I understand Alex, that is code for quote-unquote doing homework. And by quote-unquote doing homework, I really mean doing homework. I mean, come on, this is Alex we're talking about here. The bored, braided baby broods balefully because of her big brother's brusque brush-off. But the blonde, bubbly being beholds another big brother, beginning a break for a between-meal bite. Boldly bolting into the breakfast room, she briskly borrows the bench her brother's bottom was about to bear on. Nice work. I mean, the alliteration. Not the cruel prank Katie just pulled. In fact, if Jack had not activated his power, he could have hurt himself as he fell to the floor. And that would have been bad. Katie, what did you do that for? If I hadn't used my G power in time to float to the floor, I could have hurt myself. 
But the protestation brings the present and project painting parent into the room, and following the explanation, sans the use of powers, Mrs. Power berates her young child about playing practical jokes. She explains that they can be very dangerous, and that it is not funny to put someone else's safety at risk. Then she sends Katie to the living room to think about the foreshadowing she has done. Well, as the saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but that doesn't mean that you can make a child feel contrite or think about their actions when they just want to have some fun. That isn't how the saying goes at all. Well, like Katie, I don't care. But unlike Katie, it isn't because I have the following mantra running through my head while I sit on a couch. Bored, bored, bored. Meanwhile at the Fantastic Four headquarters... Home of the fighting bored boy child, specifically Franklin Richards, who is laying on his bed, complaining that he is bored. Bored, bored, bored. Sensing a theme here. His family is not with the Fantastic Four at the moment, so they are just visiting the building. And he is bored. Are you kidding me? You're in the Four Freedom Plaza. That place has got to have so many cool things for you to break, or play, or both with. I know, right? But the little Toehead decides to see if his dad will play with him. So he walks right into Reed Richards' lab, ignoring the big red danger light over the door, and right into a laser test. <clears throat> with a parenting technique that I call the Reed Classic, Reed uses his Stretch Armstrong arm to save his son from a 5,000 degree bird, and then chides him about being more responsible about his actions before dumping him back into the hall. Never to be seen again in this issue. What's responsible mean? Well, in this context, kid, it means don't die from science lasers! So, unlazed, but still bored, the child wanders around until he sees the least responsible member of the Fantastic Four. Well, besides himself, that is. So, who is this childlike proxy? Why, none other than Johnny Storm, the Human Torch! Johnny has just opened a window and is starting to say his most famous catchphrase, which I believe is something like, Hey, everyone, look at me! Look at me! Or something. When a prank-pulling Franklin jumps onto his back yelling, Boo, Uncle Johnny! Wait! I remember now, the Human Torch's catchphrase is actually Flame On, which is what Johnny was about to say and do before he flew out of the window. Luckily for Frank, Johnny was not a giant ball of superheated gas, and therefore did not almost kill Frank for the second time in five minutes. Johnny berates him, saying that if Franklin is going to play a joke on someone, that he better make sure that no one gets hurt. The Human Torch then flies off into the foreshadowing horizon. Frank is left to ponder the rules for playing jokes on people, completely ignoring that he almost died again, and he decides to see the ever-loving blue-eyed Uncle Ben uh, that's the thing to those not in the know. Poor Ben Grimm. He's sick in bed and cannot play. Franklin offers the cold rack clobberer a tissue, but Ben responds with a tissue. I hardly even know you. Ha <laughs> ha! Get it? Thanks anyway, little buddy. I just got me a. <laughs> well, besides receiving this indecipherable joke and giant sneeze, this explosive exhalation could have also crushed the child because it sent him flying. If Sue Richards had not been walking by at that exact moment, this would have been the third and final of our Deathly Hollows. Wow, how many near child deaths or serious maimings are in this book? I actually lost count. Frank, meanwhile, has been sent to his room to think about being more responsible, and possibly not almost dying, even though he still does not know what that means. The being responsible, I think he's got a handle on almost not dying. Oh well. What is a child with insane superpowers to do when he is sent to his room alone? How about taking a nap and sending your dream self to find trouble? 
or to find Katie, which also works. The two tedium trodden tots turn on the tube TV, trying to taper off their tedious time. And what show do they happen to find? Why, it's the Madcap Mystery Hour! Hooray! The program appears to be wrapping up, but we see a group of five suit-wearing men sitting around some costumed-up dude. The costume is a crash of solid yellow and purple with purple and black striped sections. He wears a purple big-brim floppy hat and has a yellow-faced stocking with white eyes and a smile. This is Madcap! And to wrap up his show, he pulls a stunt called the Man on the Street segment. He takes these five guys in suits, puts a little shiny eyes magic on them, and they start acting like obnoxious children. Hey! Not you, honey. You're adorable. Now back at the power pad, Katie and Frank are impressed. This is the kind of person they want to hang out with. An adult that knows how to have fun! Wait, hold on. This doesn't seem like fun. This seems, um, you know, like, really kind of dangerous? Or if you're Darkwing Duck, DANGEROUS! This is Power Pack. Come for the space alien powers, stay for the child endangerment. On the plus side, we are ten pages in and no one has been kidnapped yet. No, instead the kids are planning to give themselves willingly to a stranger. Frank Dream pops over to the TV studio to have a chat with this guy. Madcap has his mask off and is in a bathrobe, so Franklin does not recognize him. But he does ask if he knows Mr. Madcap. What the flaming fluba? Do I know Madcap? His name is Madcap and he is nobody's mister. Every once in a while he's somebody's sister. That isn't Mad Reparia. That isn't Capricious. Put it together and you have a playful reef builder. And while I've never built a reef, I'm as playful as a side of beef. For I am Madcap and Madcap is me. All seriousness aside, how may I be a service, so to speak? Well, that seems like the deranged ramblings of someone with mental health issues. But what is creepy to us is for some reason charming to Frank. He quickly convinces the creepy costume clown to go on an adventure with him and his friend, with Madcap saying, But of course, my pint-sized friend, we'll have fun and go on an adventure, for adventure is my middle name. Hmm, or is it Archibald? Never mind, it does not matter, nothing does, let's be off! Frank tells him to wait and hops back over to Katie to give her the 411. She then flies off, out of the window to go get Frank's body. Which sounds a lot creepier than it actually is. Meanwhile, back at Madcap Studios... Home of the- Oh my god, what is that Madcap doing? So, this seriously sick psychopath is using a pair of scissors to snip 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 off his fingers. But he's just on his non-dominant left hand. So, you know, I guess it's okay. Plus, there's like, no blood. Besides, he is waiting for Frank to show back up, and this is before the age of smartphones, so, yeah, I guess what this is is just what you do to pass the time. I mean, how do you wait for someone? But, I mean, oh my god, what is happening? Boredom is, is what boredom does. That doesn't help and makes no sense at all. Time is a flat circle. Okay, that was an awesome series, but that still doesn't help me. Well, don't you worry, none, because he just sticks his fingers back on his hand as Katie flies in with a sleeping Franklin. So all is well. And after introductions are made, the trio take off to pursue adventure. And this is where the story becomes... Wacky, dangerous, and strange. Oh my! Let me list off the activities of these crazy kids. 1. Madcap leads the kids outside and attacks a garbage truck, pretending that it is a lion. The dude put his head in the compactor and it smashed as flat as a pancake! Yes it is, but it's okay because it pops back into shape, so no problemo! 2. Madcap starts running around with a sharp stick that he finds in the garbage. He just fell on it and poked his eye out. With a dirty sharp stick from the garbage. What a horrible role model! No, no, no! You see, it was just a little mortal wound. Not a big mortal wound. He pops the eye back in and it's okay dokey. And third, he uses his hypnotizing powers to cause an entire street of people to act goofy. What harmless fun! 
Look, those businessmen are singing! And people are jumping out of buildings, and getting into fights, and almost getting hit by cars. This is insane. Wow, what a real spoil sport! You would be no fun for our bored bevy of buddies. Besides, Katie and Franklin are keeping an eye on everyone. It's all okay! Jeez, a little chaos and anarchy and near deaths and you get all mannequin lorry. Good thing that nothing really important is going on. You know, like a bank robbery standoff with two armed criminals. <laughs> Jeff will now probably start complaining that Madcap would quote unquote screw that up. Actually, that is exactly what is happening. The police have a bank surrounded and these two cornered guys are ready to go out like Bonnie and Clyde. Actually, their names are Reginald and Archibald, so they want to go out like that. What? Never mind, never fear, Madcap is here! He is ready to dive in and solve this situation! But by now, Katie and Frank have determined that these escalating and endangering hijinks are really not so fun. Glad they had all that sermonizing about the pitfalls of pranks earlier. They are worried that this creep will make the situation worse. I tell ya, you release one unhinged lunatic on the world, and then you quickly realize that he cannot be controlled. I thought we were trying to not get too political on our show. I was talking about Madcap. Uh, who were you talking about? Ah, uh, um, anyway, as Madcap runs into the building, hypno-whamming a cop on his way, the two kids decide that they need to put a stop to this. But they also decide that they need disguises to protect their secret identities, what with the news cameras and all. Boom! We have talked about this for 34 issues. It is about time. Mask up, you Muppets. Woo! I don't know if you should celebrate yet. These are really young kids, and their logic, imagination, and resources are hampered by what's at hand. And what is at hand seems to be a toy store. And sure enough, as Madcap is ready to high noon it with these armed men while have nothing more deadly than his unfathomable wit and empty hands, out of the sky flies... Por por porky Pig? I think you mean Star Pig, or is it Porky Streak? Katie, wearing a Porky the Pig mask, hauls Madcap out of the gunfire. Blam! Blam! Well, at least her face is obscured. Franklin, meanwhile, chose an angel's halo as his disguise to hide his secret identity. And as you, the listener, may have already guessed, this is an amazing disguise because it does nothing, nothing, nothing to hide his features. But he is using his dream power to appear behind the goons, causing them to be distracted while the cops sneak in behind them for an assisted apprehension. After the crooks are led away, the youngsters spend some time yelling at the costume Bozo, a.k.a. Madcap. The most immature members of Power Pack recognize that this clown is a dangerous menace. Madcap could not care less. His purpose is to be reckless and irresponsible. And his motto is that the only thing that matters is nothing. So nothing changes. Not exactly. These two kids have learned a lesson. Sure, they may not have been taught that lesson through a chugging of maple syrup or being given drug-tainted balloons by the richest, and therefore must trust through the man in the world. They were not even taught any of the Hulk's rules. They have learned about responsibility. Responsibility and stranger danger. Do not forget, stranger danger. Next issue, life or death. So, as I mentioned before you guys got into the synopsis of the book, uh -huh. I got a couple of questions. How old are the Powers children at this point? Because yeah. from what I've read, it seems to fluctuate wildly given different creative teams and, yeah, different, given the writer or artist in the way that they're portrayed, it fluctuates. That's fair. Where we're at in the book, there has pretty much just been 
one writer. Uh, there is, it's mostly been Louise Simonson. It's pretty much totally been Louise Simonson, except for this and one or two other issues. The one with uh, the writer. Yeah, the Goo Game Adventure uh-huh. one was done by a uh, letterer. Yes, Terry Austin. Yeah. That one was done by Terry Austin. The Inker. 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 There yeah. we go. Um, and I, th- I th- want to say there might have been another one that was in there. Most of the artwork has been either June Brigman or um, John Bogdanov. Uh, Walt Simonson has taken a crack at it, and there have been a couple other fill-ins as well. We did just cover an X Factor issue that had a totally different writer and, and artist on that one. But most of it has been fairly consistent. And off the top of my head, I'm going to mess up the, the ages, but the uh, start, Katie, yeah, Katie's around... She's five. She's five. Katie is five. Jack is eight. eight. Julie is... Nine or ten. Nine or ten. And Alex is, I think, 11 or 12. 12, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and then Franklin Richards, of course, is about four and a half. That being said, they are very... Uh, are they're very grown up for their age, especially Katie and Franklin. Right. Well, that was something that I always appreciated about the earlier issues that I had read, that the Powers children are cute, but they're not cutesy. Right. And I feel like in this book, it kind of veers towards that in a way that... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a couple of little bored ragamuffins going on an adventure with an adult who understands what it's like to be a kid and have fun <laughs> until they realize the dark secret of mental illness <laughs> there's oh i wonder how this character read at the time as opposed to how he reads now madcap because there's something i feel like you used to be able to have more of a character who uh-huh. would be like a playful childlike adult who wants to be like, come on, kids, let's play, and not have it come across as super creepy. Yeah, in a way that now it let's just comes across band. as yeah, it yeah. comes across as super creepy. Yes, um, and I feel like in the eighties it was a little bit different. Like I feel like you could have like a Pee Wee Herman type character uh-huh. and not have those like sinister undertones just be implied. Right. Before we get too far, I'm going to stop for one second and let's just talk really quickly about the cover. Okay. Let's talk about this cover because this is, uh, speaking of Terry Austin, though, this was drawn by John Bogdanoff with inks by Terry Austin. And uh, if you actually look on the curb, you can actually see Bog and Austin on the curb there. So so we see Katie flying in be- from behind the Power Pack sign. Uh, and she's carrying Franklin. And they're looking at Madcap, who has been um, flattened, or the lower half of his body has been flattened by a steamroller. And he's saying, curses you steamroller and the guy driving the steamroller looks very surprised with the cigar coming out of his mouth and you got a couple guys working down the street um getting the street ready for the paving this is pretty much it doesn't happen in the book but this might as well might as well yeah, this is one of the cut scenes that yeah. didn't quite make the uh, the issue because they only had the 24 pages. And I said, I think we can cut the steamroller scene, but let's just put it on the cover. It does get flattened in a different way. Yeah, yeah so it's, 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 yeah. it gets flattened, yeah. but uh, it pretty much this is what you're going to get in the book. I do wish, though, that this had been the art team for the interior art because oh, I, yeah. one thing I really like about the cover is madcap despite essentially being a cartoon yeah. is the least cartoonish representation on this mm-hmm. and i really enjoy that juxtaposition yeah and i wish it was represented a little bit more inside yeah that, the that, artwork the artwork inside definitely has the very much uh everybody's 
kind of right out of a Sunday morning cartoonish kind of feel almost. Yeah. And not, I was wondering because I was not particularly familiar with the names uh, Louis Williams or Larry Alexander before. And I was wondering if that might be because they're from the Italian Renaissance based on their (laughs) complete inability to recognize what a child looks like. Like if there was a picture of a cat with a human face in this, that would fit right in. That is a fair assumption. Uh, neither one has done much work. I tried looking them up on Marvel Unlimited, and I was like, wow, there's not much here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, they are not very recognizable for a lot of work they've done. The artwork has a lot to be desired. There are parts of it where, where it's very good, and I'm, I'm going to perhaps make an assumption here and give a lot of credit to that to Tony Dezaniga, yeah. uh, who is a very good inker. Yeah, just like fr- from the opening page, I was like, oh, dear. Yeah. The, the the scene where Julie is freaking out, I'm like, oh, Julie is freaking out because a cabbage patch kid that has a partially melted Linda Hamilton head <laughs> taped onto it has thrown a lamp at her. Yep, that 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 seems about right. Yeah. That seems about right. And yep. and throughout it, it, it's specifically the representation of Katie is. It varies because we have two different artists uh, for, yeah, the for the first three, three pages, pages and yeah. the last two pages. Yeah. Which is a, it's a noticeable kerchunk shift. I, I think we can say right here and now that this book is the comic book equivalent for a bottle episode. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, it, I think it's called a shelf uh, book is or something like that. It's basically, it's we've made this book and it's sitting up here in case we need it. Oh, this is somebody's spec script that they sent in to see. They go, hey, Marvel, you should hire me. Here, look, I could do a story like this. I mean, what do you think? Honestly, more or less, I, I feel like this is one of Howard Mackey's first things that he had written. He had been an assistant editor beforehand. And he's gone on to do some better stuff. Well, and I we can, when we talk yeah. about Madcap more, uh, we can talk about his connection to that character because yeah. it's, it's a deep one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's probably best known. He co-created... Danny Ketch, Ghost Rider, uh, and then had a pretty significant run on various Spider titles. He also did Mutant X, which was the uh, um, Havoc in an alternate Elseworlds, which I've read a couple of pages or a couple of books of that. I like it. It's a really interesting take on things. Mm -hmm. So he has done some good stuff. Well, and in this book, it's his writing... It seems like, honestly, the only character he has a real connection with is Madcap. Yeah. And he writes pretty decent Madcap yes. dialogue. Yes. Other than that, it's a little bit rough. And yeah. and I think it's tough when, if you're not used to writing kids' voices, mm-hmm. I think they end up either, and it's the same thing with the art, you either go too young or you do miniature adult. Yes. And that's what they look like, and that's kind of what they're written like. Yes. Especially Franklin, uh, who... Franklin comes from a very intelligent family, and he's a very intelligent kid, uh, but he is a kid. But they make him just sound, well, they make him sound like his age. <laughs> sort of. They, but, they, but, but, they but like they more of a down. toddler. Like they definitely toddler. round down. Yeah. It's also always interesting to read a Franklin Richards story because yeah. it is just like, okay, so is this uh, omnipotent godlike Franklin Richards or... <laughs> toddler franklin richards or somewhere in between the nice thing about the majority of the power pack books that he's in he is very much pre omnipotent and and it's and and most of the stuff that they do it's like he's really discovering and stretching out what his powers are as they're being clamped down and it's coming out in in these interesting ways and he's bouncing them off of 
off a power pack. And it's the perfect place for him to kind of grow up to be what we know he will be. But at the same time, it's it's also it's good place for him and not in Fantastic Four. So it's you actually see a little bit more of the development, but you don't get the he's an omnipotent god yet. You just know that it's there. And especially right. coming coming at it from where we're at on yeah. the other side of, you know, 30 odd years later. 30 odd years later, you know, when we're reading the history of Marvel Universe where he's closing the door on the Marvel Universe with his buddy Galactus. <laughs> and it's like, yes, yeah. this is what he grows up to be. And we know he's going to grow up to be that. So, Well, one of my favorite Marvel team up issues is Aunt May and Franklin Richards team up to fight Galactus. Oh, I haven't seen that. Now I really want to. <laughs> It's one of those where it's like, not an imaginary story. This really happens. And the way that it happens, I'm pretty sure, is in a fevered dream. Okay. Yeah. Um, again, Ben Grimm tie in. He's like, M.A. Uh, Galactus. <laughs> but uh, Aunt May ends up feeding Galactus a lot of Twinkies. Oh, okay, great. So, Wait, was this What If uh, sponsored by the Hostess Corporation? It was a team up, not a What If. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And no. <laughs> <laughs> or, if it, a, or if it was like a, maybe they just backed a money truck up to Jim Shooter's house. Is this a heavy like, no. uh, Nobody has to know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that truck is always there. I can't do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you mind if we park our truck here? The trunk's open. We don't even know what's in the back. If anything could walk out of it. Yeah. Far as we know, this truck's empty. Yeah. I think it's pretty empty. There might have been an empty box or just a thank you note in there. I don't remember. <laughs> so. Another reason we know that this is a bottle episode is that the last issue we covered, uh, the kids were all busted and grounded. Yeah, and except yet, for Katie. Yeah, except for Katie. In this one, all the kids are going out and doing things. Yeah, except well, for Katie. Except <laughs> for Katie. Um, so it's like that, you know, that's kind of the big thing right there. Yeah. Uh, this one kind of belongs a few issues down after the next issue we're going to be covering. Yeah, I was even going to do that in a synopsis where it was just like, and Jack's going to go play baseball with his friends, except isn't he grounded? Yeah. And Alex is going to go study with Allison, except Except isn't he he grounded? grounded? Yeah. Yeah. Another thing too is that we just got done with a big arc that Louise Simonson was working on with this. Uh, She did a crossover with... um, uh, Sunspot and Warlock coming back from Fallen Angels and heading back to New Mutants, and she is getting ready for both New Mutants and X Factor to go through Fall of the Mutants. So she was probably busy, yeah. And right. that's another reason I'm thinking that this is a fill-in issue that somebody else came in and is like, okay, I can't get this done. I need somebody else to just do something while I do the next issue because the next issue crosses over with Fall of the Mutants with X Factor. So it's a really good issue. That she and John Bogdanoff did, and so eh, they were busy. Yeah, no, it, it it makes sense, and reading it, it it makes sense that that's what it is. It it feels the artwork particularly feels rushed. There are a lot of really sparse backgrounds, if there are any backgrounds at all, in some of the scenes. And like you said, the only real fleshed out character is Madcap. Yeah. Everybody else is just kind of there. They just he has a lot of words come out of his mouth. Right. If you want to call that a background story or anything, but yeah. I don't think you need one with him. Okay. I don't I don't yeah. think you care to have one with him. I don't really want but one. There, there is one. There like, is one. And it's a dark one too. I fully yeah. believe it. Yeah. It's apparently he was a very religious young man who was going to a church sponsored picnic and His bus crashed. I think AIM was somehow involved. Horrible chemicals spilled all over him. That's how he got his powers. But it also, more importantly, killed his entire family, Mm -hmm. um, including his sister, Katie, 
which oh. makes me wonder if there's like a Martha connection, and that's why. <laughs> why would you say that name? Why he wants to hang out with Katie? Hub, um, why would you say that name? Are we best friends now, Hub? <laughs> I also have read about a Katie. Um, so he ends up just adopting this kind of nihilist worldview. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, Mark Gruenwald was the dude who created him, and it was so that he was almost making fun of Gen Xer slacker stuff and just like this, this attitude that he apparently saw in younger generations about just like not caring about anything. Yeah. Madcap's catchphrase is basically life is an adventure. Go have fun because nothing matters. And yeah, I was going to describe him as he's a, an odd combination of a manic nihilist. Yeah. And he actually reminds me of a couple of other characters, like both sartorially and in terms of his behavior uh, his costume totally like it's like a mix between fool killer and do you ever read a comic book called the heckler that was no it was a Keith Giffen one that was at DC and I think the early 90s um, but looks kind of like that and has a pretty similar temperament hmm. but like yeah it's kind of like a cross between like I don't know like fool killer almost both in like the quasi religious background yeah. and big floppy hat yeah the big yeah. and yeah. uh and this like cartoonishness like kind of also reminds me a little bit of uh character we're doing in the defenders right now uh lunatic with a k it, it's it's a really distinctive look and i think it's actually a pretty good one for him. i remember this comic from a kid i remember yeah. reading this yeah. one a lot and i was really getting excited to come back to it because i was like okay i remember this you know i remember the character i remember madcap really stuck out he's very distinctive and just everything that happens is really cool and then i started reading through it and i was going oh no this yeah. is a bad comic <laughs> oh no but, i'm an adult now and nostalgic glasses oh. are a thing yeah going off of the history that you just had i also wanted to tie it back to your show Okay. Because why not? <laughs> because there is a defender's connection with him. After he gets through all that, he's actually in a medical or he's in a mental hospital and he escapes and he somehow makes up or he somehow goes out, gets involved with the organization uh, known as the Rose, and in the course of the fight he meets somebody named Dollar Bill. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, see where this is going. I do. And honestly, there's a fair amount in his behavior that kind of mirrors Dollar Bill uh-huh. in terms of they both kind of just go through life without any any real notion of what consequences uh-huh. their things are going to suffer. And with Dollar Bill, it's because he's rich. Right. And he's just, it looks like bravery at first scan, but it really, I think, more is just, well, nothing has ever impacted me. My actions have never had any consequences, so why should they start now? Right. And yeah, Madcap is kind of the flip side of the coin where it's it's almost like the worst thing that can possibly happen has already happened to me, so mm-hmm. who cares? And Dollar Bill is the, apparently they became friends because Dollar Bill is the guy who gave him the cable TV show and he's the Dollar Bill is the producer behind the scenes at the show that he's working on. So, there you go. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, I, I read that. I was going, oh, this is perfect. We actually tied it back to tighten up the defense. <laughs> it is interesting, though. Like, I talked about Howard Mackey, like, having this connection with uh-huh. this character because he uses him going forward in Ghost Rider. Um, but he also, he started off as Mark Gruenwald's assistant editor. Okay. So there were, I think, two or three appearances of Madcap before this. Uh, I think there were three. I think there were two in Captain America issues and one in that Daredevil where he meets Dollar Bill. And those were all written by Mark Gruenwald. Well, I think Howard Mackey was his assistant editor. And then this is one of his first like 
main Marvel Universe titles. Uh-huh. I think he had previously written like an Air Raiders miniseries or yeah, something like he, that. He hadn't done much before this, but and maybe a couple of fill-in issues yeah. like this. But apparently, he really had taken to the Madcap character because he becomes a fairly important Ghost Rider. And like foil. we said, like we said, he is an interesting character. I mean, he's got this almost godlike power where he can't be hurt or killed. Yeah, he's a living cartoon, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, you know, he's he's right out of Roger Rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, cutting off. Speaking of scenes, I will never get on my mind. Cutting yeah. off his fingers. I that's something that was stuck in my head as a kid. I'm like, that's not right. Yep. The fact that the, they've got the kids going out and doing things with him, and not immediately going like, hey, you know what? It's getting late, and I gotta go home. There is yeah. there is no stranger danger thing at all. I mean, to be fair, these are two kids with superpowers. So, I mean, their first thought is, we can get out of. I mean, kids think they're invincible to begin with, but then they're like, we're kids, kids with superpowers. Yeah, kids who fought saber tooth. Yeah, yeah and one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and and you know, like, uh, who's gonna hurt me? My parents are Fantastic Four. It's like, right. I have been kidnapped by the best. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and here's the thing: although they reveal their secret identities pretty quickly off the bat to a madman. Uh, cause that's what these super people do. They just tell people their names. Mm-hmm. Hi Katie, I'm Franklin. I gotta go home. I live with Fantastic Four. Uh, they weren't kidnapped and that was really refreshing. Yes. Yes. They, they self kidnapped. They self kidnapped. <laughs> yeah. They're so, uh, institutionalized with kidnapping that they did it to themselves. Don't worry, sir. You don't have to kidnap us. We've taken care of yeah. that for we'll you. We'll ask you to be our kidnapper, but not in so many words. Well, it was like in the, uh, Goo Game Adventure. Uh, Jack and Katie self-kidnapped. They locked themselves into a, the the bad guy's trunk. Right. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. As far as the characters of Katie and Franklin in this, it they both know better. Although they both know better, but at the same time, I think this does play a little bit more truthfully into the idea that here we go. There are these kids with these superpowers. Yeah, and they're bored. And they're bored. I think I feel worse for uh, Franklin. I mean, Franklin, you know, he's always bored. Yeah. Although, although, how can you be bored being in that tower? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because you're not allowed to touch anything. We've been reading way too much uh, Franklin Richards' Boy Genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way too much. It is. Why does Reed have the laser pointed at the door, though? That what just the... seems like bad Policy. It was Excuse two me. lasers he pointed had, a, at each other. He had the next red the light <laughs> on above the door. What? In your house, yeah. in your secret mad scientist lair, mm-hmm. where do you have your lasers pointed, sir? Keep in mind, you only have so much room. Well, I know that, but I go through the OSHA guideline. <laughs> and yeah, they're pointed at each other, but there is a double locking system on the door. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> I mean,. I'm a mad scientist, not a crazy one. (laughs) Yeah, Reed's uh, defense, yeah, his uh, security for keeping people out, besides the light, was the equivalent of just like a a beaded beaded strand doorway. Right. Uh, Just to go like, yo, don't come in, the beads is down. (laughs) This will keep the science in. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's got the the little wet floor thing, but it just says science, and it shows somebody falling over, but a laser's hitting him. Also, Johnny Storm lecturing anybody about responsibility. (laughs) Oh, I know. Yeah. There was a lot in in both the initial Katie arc and the initial Franklin arc where it was just like, I get it. We don't need to go through the same repetition with each character. No, they that needed they it six times. Oh. So you got the idea that pulling a prank is bad and it can be dangerous. And if you are going to pull a prank, make sure that nobody, especially yourself, gets hurt because that can happen. And six times. 
Did you, did you get the Did you get the message, Hub? Hub were you paying attention? It it walked right up to the line of being a after school special yeah. about cartoon violence it was and about so. like not mimicking things you saw in cartoons. Yeah. I was waiting for Duke to come around the corner at the last scene. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I, I think we uh, we do know how superheroes learn about responsibility. Then, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Hang out with Madcap and go. You know. I don't think this is the way. I think that this is the way that adults or children should act. Man, that scene where he gets a sharp stick through his yeah. brain. Yeah, that's a nightmare. That fuel. was a heck of a thing. There are a couple of scenes in this that are just like, oh, he, okay. He cuts his fingers. Sure. Uh, actually, let's he start. Let's start with probably the 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 best one, and that's he gets his head crunched in a in a the back of a uh, trash compactor, trash compactor. Yeah, but garbage that truck. one's fine because you don't really see it you just see the aftermath where his head is like paper and you're like ah and but that's like a familiar cartoon trick. right i mean really honestly it, his head should have come out mangled but that's fine the cutting off the fingers mm, just sitting there casually yeah. cutting his fingers yeah. off while saying the little piggies around yeah yeah, yeah. freaky yeah. and then and then you're right i think the worst one is that stick the dirty stick from the garbage. I don't know what's worth yeah. <laughs> the fact that it yeah. goes through his eye or the fact that it's dirty. Who yeah. in New York City is throwing away yard debris? Yeah, who has a stick? Uh, that was one of the Where things. Where did that stick come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much of the, why are there three sticks sitting in a garbage can? They, not right. I don't maybe think this maybe is there right. was a protest and they just got rid of the. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. getting looks from people. Maybe. <laughs> It was, they, yeah, it came from some broken protest signs of the oh, uh, Madcap yeah. Mystery Hour show. Yeah, yeah. So that's why he knew that they were there, because yeah. he saw them throw out, throw the sticks out. It all makes sense. Yeah. Wheels within wheels. Exactly. <laughs> Ties in. It's not a conspiracy if it's really happening. Mm. But no, that scene where he has like the stick through his head. Yeah. There was something about that where You mean, you mean when he's looking for his eyeball on the ground? <laughs> yeah. That scene? <laughs> yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but I had to add that little bit of uh, picante to your word salad. No, I mean, that pretty much says it all. There's just something about that that is just so jarring and is like a different level of, I guess, almost realism Mm -hmm. to it. Where like, that's not the kind of cartoon violence you usually see, but it's pretty affecting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why the kids hadn't just bailed out at that very stage. Been like, they're in for a penny, they're in for a pound, man. Yeah, they they want to see where this is going. Yeah, they're well, like, I'm kind of shocked and horrified. But also, I don't also, they get are super. They're all superheroes. <laughs> they don't want to just leave this guy on his own at this point. I think there's a time where you just got to cut your losses and go. You know what? I think I'll just go be bored in my room. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, Madcap never really comes across as a threat. He no, comes across no. like creepy mm-hmm. and irresponsible and like i said read from today's viewpoint definitely there is an unsettling creepiness to him yep. hanging out with children or he comes across as like a kind of tragic figure in this there's a little yeah, bit of that too yeah. never really as a villain yeah yeah not a villain the closest you get to it is when he's causing people to do things that cause themselves harm yeah, yeah. i think that's where that's where even when he's going and approaching the the guys in the bank that's just irresponsible yeah because he's trying to do something you could say he's trying to do something good but i think it's the scene where he's causing people to basically you, know, you got a lady yeah themselves. you got a lady that's jumping out out of a window on a building that right. Katie has to save you got somebody who's playing uh you get somebody who's playing bullfighter with a Russian car you the know otherwise reason, they're just the like reason, the only reason it doesn't get up to like joker level of you know criminality is because he's not doing it specifically to hurt people no he's just 
he's basically the cat in the hat. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I he, he yeah. is a cat yeah. and he wears a hat. So yeah. Right. No, I think that's I think that's I think that's right. Um, I'm gonna actually take that and I'm gonna run with it. I'm gonna do a segue because I'm gonna say that you are correct with the cat in the hat, but I'm gonna go ahead and talk about another literary figure. Ah mm-hmm. and do my uh literary uh corner. We like to pull out a library card and try to find some literature in the book. And at the very beginning, I see Julie reading a book. And it might be Corduroy or it might be Winnie the Pooh. I actually chose Winnie the Pooh. Looks more Corduroy to me. It looks like Corduroy, but I I also thought that there was more of a connection between Winnie the Pooh and Madcap. Hear me out. Winnie the Pooh by A.A. Milne. In 1926, the first book about Winnie the Pooh was published. Mr. Milne adopted the name of the teddy bear from a teddy bear owned by his son, Christopher Robin Milne. He also used his son's name and the names of the rest of his son's toys. Piglet, Eeyore, Kanga, Rue, and Tigger. I think we can all agree that Mr. Milne was famous for stealing intellectual property developed by his son, but I digress. What started out as bedtime stories he told his son soon grew into a series of novels focusing on the adventures of Winnie the Pooh and the rest of the characters of A Thousand Acre Woods. These simple, silly stories focused on friendship, kindness, and family. The characters in the story each have a very definite style and characterization that are used to define their relationships with each other. It is because of this that the books have been beloved for years. It also doesn't hurt that the characters were bought by Disney in 1966 and has merchandised it like crazy. I thought a lot about how simple-mindedness of Pooh matched Madcap. Now, it's not a perfect match, but I think there's a little connection to their behaviors. Both are driven pretty much by instant satisfaction impulse. Pooh wakes up and wants honey, and he wants to get honey no matter the cost. Madcap wants to have fun, also no matter the cost. Neither will really look beyond the consequences or dangers that occur, and both are willing to bring others along on their crazy schemes. The difference really lies in the level of danger to themselves and others. Pooh Bear will put himself in danger, but does not really endanger others on purpose or willfully. Madcap appears to push those boundaries, and will put himself, his friends, and others in harm just in the name of fun. I guess what I'm saying is I'd rather go out with Winnie the Pooh than Madcap. Plus honey. Plus honey, exactly. Yeah. Are you saying that Madcap's going to get his head stuck in a honey jar? You know, I would say that he probably has. But I also, I like the idea of just who's kind of like his id. You know, he just wants what he wants and he goes about his simple-minded way of doing it. And it's a lot like how Madcap is kind of portrayed in this where he's just, he doesn't have a plan. He just is doing his thing. And I don't care about consequences. Yeah, there are. I just do my thing. There are no consequences. I mean, if you can cut your fingers off, if you can put a stick through your head, if you can smash your body flat, Eh, you have no consequences. Yep. So, and if you're made of fluff, same thing. (laughs) (laughs) That is my opinion. Anybody disagree? (laughs) I mean, he definitely has more of a Tigger vibe. That's what I I got to say. say. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not perfect, (laughs) but it's there. (laughs) Yeah, I was always right, and I was like, he's really much more of a Tigger. But yeah, it goes off my 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 thesis. Yeah, bounces around. Other people pick up his mess. Yeah. That is my literary corner. What is your science corner? As we covered earlier, on this issue's cover, we have an image of Madcap who has just had the lower half of his body flattened cartoon style by a steamroller. So this got me researching what would actually happen to a human body if that had happened. Well, it has happened. And further research made me realize that no, 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 no. I am not going to talk about this on the show because that is some word pictures that I don't need to paint. 
So instead, I flipped forward 12 pages and saw Madcap cutting his fingers off with some scissors. This got me researching down an entirely different and equally horrifying rabbit hole to see if this was possible. And guess what I discovered? Well, let me tell you. I discovered that this is another subject for the no, 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 no pile. Hmm. That's two for two in the swing and a miss column. So what can I find if I turn the page? Probably something good, right? Wrong. The next page has Madcap putting his head into the compacting part of a garbage truck and having it squished into a flat smiley face. Ugh. Pass. Flip another couple of pages, and he has impaled his head and poked out his eye with a stick. So, skip. So where does that leave us for Science Corner? Right back at the beginning, my friends. Let's talk about how a steamroller works. The main way that a steamroller flattens and smooths what it rolls over with its large smooth drum is with its weight. Steamrollers can weigh between 5 to 60 tons, and that is what does the lion's share of the work. Additional compaction may be achieved by vibrating the rolling drums, allowing a small, light machine to perform as well as a much heavier one. Vibration is typically produced by a free-spinning hydrostatic motor inside the drum to whose shaft an eccentric weight has been attached. Some rollers have a second weight that can be rotated relative to the main weight to adjust the vibration amplitude and thus the compacting force. Well, that's Science Corner, and if I can give you some unsolicited advice, don't look up the things that I looked up. You really don't need that kind of stuff in your head. And that's Science Corner. I tend not to look up things you tell me to look up on the internet. Yeah. Especially at work, that gets me into trouble. Yeah, don't look at the images and make sure safe search is on. So, <laughs> Other things you don't want in your head? A dirty, pointy stick. Or the business end of a garbage truck. Mm. Which I totally thought you were going to go with the uh, guy with the railroad spike through his head. Oh, yeah, that's. Uh, there's a lot of those things. There's a lot of instances of horrifying things that actually happen to people. And then they live. And then they have uh, massively different personalities and stuff because that portion of the brain's gone and there i found a lot of information on a lot of these subjects and i did hit the stage where i said i don't want to talk about this <laughs> that's fair and it pretty gross i would like to put nice images in my head so yeah. let's go ahead and put some nice images in our head with another segment of our show that we have stolen from hub <laughs> <laughs> happy to help power thoughts let's talk about refrigerator gallery what piece of art in the book needs to be on the family refrigerator see we don't have a nice thing where we can say rick sing us in because <laughs> yeah. i'm not going to sing us in that's fair i'll sing us in we've got some art i'm talking about some art i've got some art some of them are jokes time to look at good stuff something like that I think that's... thanks jeff <laughs> I like it. Also, uh, your Rick sounds nothing like my Rick. It's crazy. Yeah. I There was some confusion about that when uh, Matt what? Laserwitz oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was oh. going inter to interview you. He he thought you were that Rick. Oh, funny. Yeah. And Nicholas Prom one time said, uh, you know, said that about me too. I was like, that wasn't me, Nicholas. <laughs> it's not like it's that uncommon a name that you would assume there's just one <laughs> so uh let's go ahead and start with you sir uh do you have a funny backup piece of artwork that you really really liked okay i feel a little bit bad about the fact that i found this funny but when the two bank robbers are about to shoot franklin richards <laughs> when he is dressed as a gall darn angel there were a few things about that that really, really cracked me up. Those are some weirdly eloquent and also just, they're just weird bank robbers with their word choices on things. Yeah. Well, 
they probably maybe they got a word a day calendar when they were selling grit as oh, one of their prizes uh, because that is one of the things that they mentioned yeah yeah your art is on page 22 and it's in the uh, middle panels i'm guessing thank you yep and again, an angel costume. Boy, that'll keep your... And just a halo on your yeah, head. That's yeah, the best oof. disguise it's, in the world. So, these robbers, <laughs> they see either a toddler or an angel or potentially both. Or a toddling angel. What is the upside of shooting that entity? If it's a toddler, it can't hurt them. If it's an angel, they can't hurt it. What are you hoping to gain from this? I, I have an answer to that. Uh, 20 to life is what they're hoping to get that. I mean, so first of all, I do like I mentioned they said we never should have stopped selling grit for fun and profit. Referencing an ad yeah. you see in a, the back of a lot of Bronze Age comic books, which yeah. I appreciated. But that level of cartoonish villainy <laughs> yeah. from thugs, it reminds me of Lisa's go-to when she's not feeling well is watching Anne of Green Gables, the PBS miniseries from many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And in one of the opening mm-hmm. scenes, there's a lady who just hates Anne of Green Gables because she's an orphan. And listening to this old lady curse out orphan scum always cracks me up in the same way that those two bank robbers being like it's a toddler with a halo shoot Shoot it it. but he's an angel just do it do it okay do it jeff Yes. What do you have for a funny backup? <laughs> My funny, funny backup is on page 15, and I call it Oscar's Not Home. It is the upper right-hand panel, and it is when Madcap is digging through a trash can, looking for some fun and adventure, and he finds a stick. Was he really hoping to find Oscar the Grouch? I don't know. Maybe. He might have just been like, hey, I know I know this is Oscar's summer home, and that he leaves a lot of fun stuff around in his, co- in his uh, closet, so I'll just go digging through here. And that might be the most unrealistic thing in this entire comic book is that they are in New York City and there's a public trash can. (laughs) In the 80s. In the 80s. It's much cleaner now. Did they get rid of them? Was that part of Giuliani's effort to clean up Times Square? It's just like, well, if if we get rid of the trash can, people will throw a trash. There's no trash. A job well done. There we go. It's all clean. Can't have any trash if you don't got any fingers. Can't throw nothing out. My funny backup is on page nine, and it's the uh, top middle panel, and it's where uh, Franklin has just appeared in front of Katie, and she's crying. And I looked at this, and I said, oh, "I thought about uh, adding this one." Yeah. Uh, don't cry, Katie. I think I know where my legs are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. I saw this one. I was going to use it as uh, Katie killed a man in prison because <laughs> she's got a little uh, yeah teardrop tattoo see, that see, she's I, scratching. I just... I, I just I just saw that she's crying because you know yeah. Franklin's lost his legs Franklin again. He's got no legs. <laughs> He's got no legs. But Frankie, what happened to your legs? What's your legs? <laughs> what happened to your legs, Franklin? I know where my legs are. I, I was emulating Madcap. He got ran over by a steamroller, and I did that. And now I have no legs, and I'm a ghost. All right. Uh, what is your top funny one, sir? I mean, they're all funny. They're all top funny ones. Um, I decided to go with Badia, 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 but that's Katie, folks. Page 21, I believe. <laughs> yes. And it is uh, Katie wearing a porky pig mask. Yep. This um, is my funny, too. Doing her rainbow deal and uh, just grabbing Madcap. And partly it's that he just looks delighted by it. And mostly it's just that it looks like a rainbow porky pig. It yeah, really does. Yeah, and yeah. I called this one uh, When Pigs Fly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. works too. <laughs> I, I kept going to do this. I didn't use this one, but I, I, I kept going to this page because it's 
there is something very striking about it. Uh, it would be nice if there was a background instead uh-huh. of just white. But yes, it, it bothers me less in that panel <laughs> than it does in others because it's not like I'm going to be looking at anything yeah. in the background yeah. regardless. Really look at it. You, like... you kind of lock in on the pig's head. <laughs> Although it would have been nice to see the people in the background going, huh? Uh, my top one is on page 13. This is the one where Madcap, it's in the middle of the page, and it's Madcap is jumping over a very small fire hydrant. So he's put both of his hands on this fire hydrant and is jumping over it for no reason. It's just fun. He could have stepped over it. It's fun. I call this lame parkour. Oh, it is pretty lame parkour. <laughs> it is it's, the lamest parkour I've ever seen. It's the kind of parkour that I could do. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So, fair enough. It's pretty impressive, I gotta say. <laughs> I mean, I can't, like, I, I that can't, is some straight up Jim Cotta stuff. Yeah. He's I, I can't. I can't. I can't bend like that. And that's impressive, you know. Seeing because he's got his arms down and his legs, he's, he's licking bending. his boots. He yeah. is licking his boots right now. But it's just, it would be more impressive. If it was like a mailbox. Sure. Something that wasn't yeah. like a foot and two it, inches tall. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. I, Katie could step over this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, and it looks like she is pointing at him as if to say that. All right, let's go ahead and go to uh, the top, top. Let's the good stuff. The good stuff. The, the good b- stuff. Yeah, but it's not the top, top, just the, the just bottom the of the top. top. Backup the backup top. top. So for my backup, I have Goodbye Little Piggies. Uh, Page 12, yep, yep. Yeah, That's it, the it same is, backup I have. It is Madcap cutting off his fingers because he is bored, and it is well rendered, and it is really affecting just being like, I did not see that coming. No, no. Oh, no. Don't go talk to that man, Katie. (laughs) No, no. But they don't know that because Franklin was there. Things were were fine. Then they get there just after he's like, put him back on. There's no red. There's no blood. It's just, it's like mannequin fingers. Yeah, literally. Again, it's like he's a man made out of wax. Yeah. Yeah. Without being Clayface. Yeah, yeah, I feel like later on uh, his powers maybe get toned down to a daredevil or to a Deadpool level uh, of, okay. of healing factor. But at this point, it's he is just full on Tom from Tom and Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your uh, backup one? That was my backup one too, though. So that oh, okay, great so that's easy. My backup top art one is on page five, and I call it Phillips Head Skyscraper. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It is the uh, Fantastic Four Freedom Plaza. It's the top left-hand corner. And it is... I just love that building design. I love having a skyscraper with the four fours on it that, you know, co- combine up at the top into a plus sign. And I, I just have always loved that design because I'm just like, that is just so well thought out and just so cool looking. I like the building design. I got to say that panel looks like it was done on an Etch-a-Sketch. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, it's that was one of the panels that and really the next one on that page too where it's just like there is some stuff there but it just doesn't, doesn't look fit right no you right. Know? no it it is not photorealistic like the uh, there is some art that is in power pack you know like uh, Bogdanov does some stuff where you're like it is photorealistic and it looks like he's just like tr- taking a picture traced over it it is that detail and just that kind of mm-hmm. asymmetry and just the uniqueness of it this does look like throw on a box put a bunch of boxes on it, have some more lines, you're building, nobody's going to pay attention. They drew Franklin's room and they said, oh, we need toys in it, and they drew toys in it. It Mm -hmm. does not look, my daughter's room doesn't look like that. My daughter's room, it's full messy, doesn't look like that. It it doesn't work. Well, did you notice that Franklin's blocks are making fun of him? What are they doing? They're calling him an L7. L7. An L7 (laughs) means? He's a real square. An L7. Oh! 
You catchy punny guys. <laughs> you clever, clever awareness roller checkers. Yeah, I was actually looking at those blocks, and I'm like, is the is there a you know? I'm always looking for like the Easter egg or the secret mm-hmm. message, and, and, all. and you missed that yeah. one because yeah, you're to- you're a square. Because I am totally. Uh, what did you say? A seven ten split? Yeah, I'm a banana split. Thanks I'm made for, out of ice cream. Thanks for insulting my co-host. <laughs> no problem. He won't notice. <laughs> I also like that picture that Franklin has on his door that he just drew of a stick figure. Yeah, yeah. it could be. That's kind of a nice time. All right, what do you have for your top one? Uh, it is on page eight, and I call it Hot Water Bottle Beret Benji. It is specifically the second one, I think, okay, is no, my okay. favorite. Okay. Mine is the middle panel. Mine's the middle panel, too. So we can just, let's, the, just, okay. just, let's so, just talk so, about this. Yeah. So uh, I call mine Fantastisneeze. Mm. <laughs> I j- see <sighs> what I like about the earlier panel as opposed to that one. I like him sneezing Franklin off the bed. Yeah. I like that he's got a thermometer in his mouth. Yeah, I know. What is that going to do? And it's, I like that he's got a hot water bottle on his head, and that he's wearing it like a beret. It's all the classic symbolism of this person is sick. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's move on to rubber and glue moment. Because... Just real quick, I got to oh, cover sure, on sure. something else on this page because uh, it shows Sue Sue Richards like you know Invisa Force catching Franklin from you know falling falling off the bed and stuff, and she's like, "I've been following after you since you started doing your shenanigans, kind of thing." And it's like, "Have you really? Have you really been trying to catch your kid?" Because He's four and a half. You have superpowers and can fly. <laughs> Were you really? And I, you know, it's like, I heard, you, you saw what you did at Reed's lab and talking to Johnny. And now you're in here bothering. But it's like, were you really trying to catch him? Because you could have. And especially you could have used a shield to stop the lasers. You could have used a shield to stop Johnny from catching him on fire. Yeah. Don't pretend you're that good of a mom, no. Sue. No. no I no. know for the Fantastic Four, you're doing really well. But... Not in this man's life. Yeah, so. I mean, Reed just lowers the grading average in that <laughs> class. So we we high. talk about that uh, going for like the worst parent of the year award five yeah, years yeah, running. Yeah, those are some harsh words, sir. Those are some very harsh words mm. you threw at Sue. Yeah. So let's go talk about some more harsh words that we found in this issue. Mm-hmm. Rubber and glue moment. What was the best or most childish insult? Uh, let's start with you this time, Jeff. Oh, okay. What do you got for a backup one? My backup silly is when Katie's in her house and she's bored and she's going around to her siblings trying to talk to them. And she goes up to Alex going, hey, you know, do you want to go up on the roof? We can practice our powers. You can shoot a powerball and I can see if I can outfly it. And he tells her, don't be silly, silly. Someone might see us. I just like the aspect of silly, silly. Silly, silly. Silly, silly. Silly, silly. Yeah, and I thought that was very childish and pretty great. All right. All right. We'll take that one. I'm going to say on page 17... In the midst of the madcap adventures when he has uh, completely tweaked everybody's mind. Yep. We have one guy out there who's uh, doing Toro Toro with his uh, coat to a car. And the guy inside the car is saying, hey, get out of the way, Roadhog. I like Roadhog. Roadhog's a good Roadhog's one. pretty good, good for a guy who's standing in the middle of the road. Uh, yep. Yeah. What, uh, what do you got for backup insult, sir? Well, it's not. I mean, there is an insult that's part of it. But I would like to... Uh, once again, go back to, to my old buddies, the uh, bank robbers, who say, this guy is crazy. Let's kill him, Reginald. <laughs> I mean, that's really all there is to it. <laughs> uh, nothing else to really say on that one. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> it speaks for itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, kind of a, they're kind of a one-trick pony. 
yeah. on on their bank robbing. I don't even think they're robbing a bank so much as just going, we it's should like, shoot well, there's guy. people in a bank. Yeah. I could, I'm looking to shoot people. Yeah. Let's go there. <laughs> I, w- I have guns. I want to go someplace where I can wave my gun around. Let's go to a bank. Yeah, right. Banks are yeah. cool. Yeah, this works well. All right, what's your top one? My top uh, insult is on page five, and it is very cutting in my opinion because it is Franklin saying in a word, you know, in a thought bubble, because he's bored, he's going, maybe daddy will play with me. And that's harsh because <laughs> we all know Reed won't. Reed's not going to play with his son. Oh, Franklin should know it by now. And he, if he does, and I think he does, he's like, maybe daddy will play with me. Oh, that one is just putting your fingers in boiling water because it burns. And his dad didn't like it so much. That's why he tried to kill him with lasers. Exactly. Mine is on page 16. This is the one where we've got Madcap actually doing a pretty impressive Parker move where he's, you know, kind of vaulting over the top of a telephone booth. And the guy's on the telephone booth. The guy is talking to his wife. Yeah, this one was mine too. (laughs) Madcap is saying, Banzai! And the guy on the phone says, of course I still love you, idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Followed up by him saying, no, sweetums, I wasn't talking about you. It was a clown jumping over the phone. Hello? (laughs) Yeah. That that was... That yeah. was my my favorite. It's good. <laughs> that 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 that's good little scene. Yeah, right it is there. a good little like scene. Yeah, it does paint a it paints a great little. Uh, yeah. You can tell that they've been having a little bit of trouble in their life. He's like, no, I still love you. Of course I do. It just works hard. And, 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 yeah. And uh, you look at it, and from the way that Madcap's flying in that scene, his, his arm is way out to the side. Yet somehow, between panels, he got it right up to his face. So it's just like, he did that on purpose. He's like, I think he probably did do yeah. it on purpose. Because, yeah, one of the things that comes up later in, like, the Mackie Ghostbu- Ghostbuster, really? Ghost Rider run, is that... Uh, Denny Catch, Ghostbuster. Is that he likes getting the penance stare from Ghost Rider because it's the only time he's felt anything oh, since man. his accident. So it's like, it really is just like, he's just like, I, I just want to feel something. Yeah. We are now to stars in detention. We need to identify the child. Who was the best and the worst in this issue? Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. Do we start with worst or best? We start with worst. Is Franklin enough of a yes, member yes, of Power yes, Pack yes, that yes. I can choose Franklin? Yes, okay, then yeah, I your definitely best, choose Franklin. Okay. okay. And how come? There's a number of reasons why it could be. He's mostly pretty annoying throughout it. Yeah. He doesn't learn his lesson over the many times of repetition of trying to pull pranks. Yeah. But the reason I chose him is because he is a child who can astrally project, who is bored. There is no reason why he should be bored. He can go anywhere and do anything. This is the 1988 January issue of Power Pack. Uh He could go and watch Hacksaw Jim Duggan win the first (laughs) Royal Rumble. He, yeah. could, he could, the movies, The Princess Bride uh-huh. and Disorderlies and uh-huh. RoboCop, if he wants to go a little bit above his age grade, he can go see any of them. He can go see or do anything. There is no reason for him to be bored sitting at home. Well, the thing about Franklin is he has such, he has a very limited imagination, which is why in the, the current thing where he's been spinning off universes, he spun off thousands of universes, but they were all variations of like beige. Mm. <laughs> it was like, uh, they're like, Franklin, we need another universe. How about one with fish that talk? And he's like, I was thinking beige. <laughs> I was thinking just kind of like a big Janet void, but without a Janet. That's another universe. They're like, okay, Franklin, we've had like 80 of those. Could we maybe kind of mix it up? He's like, yeah, I'm thinking of like kind of a, like a taupe Janet <laughs> void. 
with nothing in it. My worst is Katie. Okay. Uh, It was a toss-up kind of between Franklin and Katie. But Franklin's pranks, the only prank that he actively went to go do was he was going to like, hey, I'll jump on my my, uh, Uncle Johnny who does pranks all the time. He'll love it. I'll go, boo. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it was just like, hey, I I wonder if dad will play with me. No. Okay. Accidentally walk into lasers. Oh, hey, I'll see Ben. He's always fun. Oh, hey, you want a tissue? You're not feeling good. What can I do for you? That's a pretty good prank. That's a pretty good prank. Yeah. But with Katie, it's, it's like... a giant orange rock monster. What's he going to do with yeah, the tissue? Yeah, what's he going to do with the tissue? It, well, it's like a burlap sack. He has his own really, like, uh, you know how you can get, like, the puffs with lotion. This is, it's like burlap with... Lotion. I don't know. Sand. <laughs> yeah, sand. Burlap with burlap with lotion. So, uh, yeah, so mine was Katie. Just be due to the fact that uh, she was equally as terrible as... Uh, Franklin, but her pranks, you know, it's like she intentionally pulled the chair out from underneath Jack and yeah. she, uh, it was an accident, but she did, you know, knock a lamp over on Julie who totally overreacted. Yeah. But, I don't uh, think she, have you looked at that picture? I don't know. Is it just in my issue that it looks like her right eye is melting? Uh, no, her face no, looks. No, her face pretty. is horrible. It is a Linda yeah. Hamilton on a toddler's body that is melting. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty. I would horrific. be alarmed too. If yeah. that creature threw a lamp at me. The, the thing is, is that, I love how Julie looks in this picture. Everything else about yes. the panel is really, really good. Oh, yeah. It, it's fantastic. It's like the the book. The I, There's a lot of detail in here, and it's just like, yeah. I think that's another reason why she should be the worst kid. I, I had her as the worst kid, too, for most okay. of the same reasons yeah. you did. Also, I, she had that weird melty face. Yeah, I, I, I gave Franklin a little more leeway because he is younger, and maybe I shouldn't, but he... I, I love your reasons. He I love your reasons. has no compunction about going astral and going <laughs> yeah. anywhere. Like, go somewhere. Yeah, that is very true. He's like, I could literally go anywhere and literally do anything. Harry and the Hendersons is playing in theaters right now. Who do you think is the best? I decided to go with Jack. Hmm. Yeah. Because he's not a narc. Because... <laughs> Because Katie came and she pulled the chair out under from him, but he was okay. Yeah. So when his mom comes in, he's like, no, it's, it's not a big deal. I'm fine. It was an annoying thing for her to do. And I, I honestly, it says something about me. I probably was the person who pulled out the chair, but I don't remember if I was the person who pulled out the chair or the person who had the chair pulled out from him. <laughs> but I know some combination of those events happened and it was a bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> And so he has grounds to be yeah. way more upset mm-hmm. and to try to get Katie into trouble. Yeah. But he's not an arc. Oh, so and, and, I decided and, and, to go with Jack. I, nice. I had the same, same one. I was saying that Jack also because he had a very nice and simple use of his power. He used his power just enough to save mm-hmm. himself. And like he was cool about it. He was very cool about it. So I, I'm with you on the Jack. My, I did have a backup too. I mm-hmm. almost went with Alex because he's trying to act more grown up. And the grown up that he has decided to emulate is Fonzie. And I appreciate that. I got to look at this. But Alex was <laughs> Alex was my pick as best kid. He was my star pupil. And it was just it was mostly because uh, he was just going to he was going to go. Oh, I see what yeah, you're talking okay. about. I, I see what you're laying down there. Yeah. I see what you're laying down. Yeah, I see what he got going. Yeah. yeah he even does a thumb up. Yeah. Yeah. G-Force, we have, well, like I said, Alex basically said, no, silly, I'm going to go to Allison, my girlfriend's, to study. So we have zero Gs. You can find that in Madcap's brain, because sometimes he self-edits out his words of his alphabet. alphabet. Uh, that gives us a G average of 0.91, mm. and that is almost the surface gravity of Venus. 
and we have a G total of 31, which is uh, three Gs higher than the surface of the sun. We are so. not seeing any more Gs no, for Alex. No, no growth. I don't know. No. Uh, the G bomber has been really letting us down. I always enjoyed. How many? Uh, can you maybe start counting A's Ay. instead, I, I or say. sit on it? Yeah, uh, I will start counting those. Okay. I think they're also going to be zeros. <laughs> I will say that I did see some more Gs coming up, but none from Alex. No, yeah, it's, but from everybody else. Yeah, that was well. That was the thing. It was like uh, during you know all the episodes issues or 20 issues or something ago you know where it's just like his name got said you know g got said 20 times by not him yeah so yeah all right uh let's go ahead and rank this thing and i know this is gonna be a little hard for you because you haven't read all the books but uh, you can at least help us get in the right area sure yeah. so we're looking at our list we still have number one uh power pack 25 which was power trip and then we have on our bottom list uh the x factor annual two which half of the Thing featured uh, Power Pack, and the other half featured the Inhumans. Well, Hub, where do you think it would fit in that? How how much did you like or dislike this? Um, well, I mean, if this was the only Power Pack comic that you had ever read, would this make you go, "Yeah, I want to be part of that community," or would you go like, "I think I'm good"? Not, yeah, I, I think probably more the latter yeah. in in that regard. It's kind of a rough depiction of the kids in general. Uh, I think Katie is obviously the focus member mm-hmm. of Power Pack in here, and she's written not great, just kind of both preachy and younger than I think that she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the Thor one's better, because I think that even though in the Thor one, Thor used Katie as a weapon mm. to Algor- kill Curse. Yeah, yeah, basically, um, Thor and Beta Ray Bill held up their hammers and said, absorb the energy off these hammers, because that's when she had the energy power. Mm-hmm. Absorb the energy off her hammers, hammers and shoot it at this thing. And she was glowing. She's like, ah, this hurts. I'm going to die. Just wait. Absorb more energy. Okay, now destroy our enemy. Huh. Yeah, it yeah. was a quick panel of, this will probably destroy our hammers, and it might kill you. So do the thing, little girl. Okay, Mr. <laughs> Thor. But I still think that that probably was better issue because it still is Walt Simons. <laughs> well, gotcha. That's, that's that's leaving an easy. Uh, I, I would is, say is it better than the X Factor Annual? I think it's actually better than the X Factor Annual because okay. I can remember this issue much more than I can remember the X Factor one, or I want to. All right, well that's easy yeah. then. It is uh, the new number thirty-seven, and the X Factor takes the new, the brand new number thirty-eight slot. So it is uh, uh, the second worst one that we've read so far. <laughs> well, glad I could be here for. Glad you, uh, Hub, we were ra- really trying to find a memorable one for you. One where you'd be like, hmm, I'll never go back to their place. But hey, I, so. I think we had fun with this one, though. I, I certainly yeah. did. Yeah. So let's talk about this beer. What do we think about the beer? I think I drank all of mine. Well, yeah, all too. of it that didn't end up on the floor from the opening. Yeah, what'd you guys think? Pretty good. Yeah, it's it's all right. It's not my, uh, it wouldn't be a standard go-to. It's a little hoppy, but it's not terrible. It's no. a little, it leaves a little bit of kind of a, kind of a, you know, a little, that hoppy kind of rot kind of yeah. that bittersweet kind of flavor on your tongue for a little bit, but uh, it is pleasant. It would be a, a very nice warm weather. Yeah, beer. definitely. It would be. It, it is a little bit odd just having the, I never completely understood the value of a hoppy Pilsner. Yeah. Uh, just cause I feel like if you want something that's just going to be light and refreshing, like a Pilsner, what you don't want is the hops aftertaste. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's, I would certainly drink it if yeah. it's the beer that's offered me. Oh, yeah. Um, it, I'm at a barbecue and this is on tap and that's it. It's like this or nothing. I'd be like, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's Then that's a worse review than I would give it because it is like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to drink my fill of that. Yeah. And be like, yeah, 
It's good enough. I've had a a lot harder time drinking other beers that we've had. This one is much, much smoother. It's it's easy to go down. I would say that this is for me is probably along the lines of a I'm gonna say three and a half. I would actually give it a three and a half for myself. Yeah, we uh, do. It's out of five. Out of five. Out of five. Out of five. Yeah, yeah, three and a half sounds yeah, fair. Three and a half is exactly what I was thinking. So all right, three, three and, and a half, half Powerballs all, all, all around. Yay! Yay! And now that we've drank our beer and talked about it, why don't we talk to a young child about this issue at hand? So, Rick, talk to Carrie and get her kid's perspective. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Daddy. How are you today? Good. Good? So, we got a new comic book for you to read. Yeah. And this is kind of an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. You want to tell me a little bit about it? So you want to tell me about it? Yeah. All right. Tell me really briefly what's going on on this book. Edie and Frank think Madcap is fun. (laughs) Yep. You said briefly. Yeah. So they think that he is fun. What do you think of Madcap? He's funny evil. He's funny evil. I like that. Can you kind of tell me what you mean by funny evil? He's funny, but he's evil. Okay. So how is he funny? He makes people funny and, well, he is pretty funny. Yeah. And then how is he evil? He makes people funny and he, and he like, does a lot of bad things. What kind of bad things? I think he made them laugh, people laugh because, I don't know, did he want to rob a bank or something? <laughs> so he, he kind of... Did a whammy on people so that they would have fun and they would not have any inhibitions. And then he tried to stop a bank robbery, but he didn't do it very responsibly, right? Yeah. What did you think about him uh, hurting himself? Well, I don't know. (laughs) So he hurt himself a couple times in this book, right? Yeah, but he never really actually hurt himself. Yeah. But he did things that are kind of cartoony level injury, right? Yeah. Is that okay? No. Should you do something you see in a cartoon against another person who's uh, who's living? It actually might make make them want to do it because it they think it might be a good example. So, but why wouldn't you want anybody to do something they see in a cartoon? Why wouldn't you want them to do that in real life? Because they could actually hurt themselves. Or other people? Yeah. Yeah. So, Madcap is not a good example, is he? No. What did you think of the artwork in the book? It's a different art, or it's different artists, right? Did you like it or not? I like it. And here's something I noticed on the cover. Did you like the cover or did you like the art on the inside of the book? I like basically all of it. Okay. Um, and the thing on the cover that I noticed is that Katie has orange hair and she has, like, ponytails. Uh-huh. And then inside the book, she has her normal hair with, you know, the two braids. Uh-huh. So it's something that I noticed. Okay. But you like the art in the inside of the book, yeah, huh? I like all of it. Okay. That sounds good. Is there anything else you want to talk about about this book? Mm, no. Okay. That's all I have for you, then. Thank you very much, Carrie. Welcome. I love you. Love you too. That was super fast and easy. Shout out time. We like to recognize those listeners who take the time to write in or leave us a review. This will be for issue number 32, the crack finale, featuring Dr. Osvaldo Oila, AJ, Al Sedano and Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, Alan Mozik, CH0, Craig McNichol, 
Ah, the garbage man. How lame does a villain have to be when the writers are more willing to bring back Carmody than you? Ha! Comics in the Golden Age. Colin Stapleton and the worst comic podcast ever. Dan Grote and the WMQA podcast. Dan Williams. Karyu Key. Green Lantern HG. Jeffrey Brown. Jeff Pillier. June Brigman. Keith Baker. Limax 7. Mal. Max Trevor. Mitch Gillian and the Nerd Out Portland's premier nerd theme bar. Mr. Rogers Core. NZ Waffles. Dr. Osvaldo Oila and the Middle Spaces blog. Thank you again for joining us, and please check out the Middle Spaces website for some good media critiques. Paul Young. Sailor Bear Zudar. Sean Wynn and Strange Solutions. Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Tim Price, the Podcrasher. And thank you to all those who liked and shared our Halloween episode where we talked about Sandman 18, A Dream of a Thousand Cats. And thanks to our crossover partners, Sean from Secret Wars and Beyond, John and Maggie from Married with Comics, and Al and John from Resurrections and Adam Warlock's and Thanos Podcast. And of course, Tim Price as Mephisto. Hub, where can people hear or find you and your show? Well, if you'd like to listen to the show, and I think you should, probably the easiest way to do it would just be by going to whatever podcatcher you're using to listen to this show and searching for Tighten Up the Defense. That's T-I-T-A-N. So it's like the Teen Titans. For other ways to get into touch with us, we've got an email address that's ttwasteland at gmail.com. That's from back when the show used to be called Teen Titan Wasteland. And we've also got a Patreon page that's patreon.com slash ttwasteland. And if you're a donor there, then we have a bunch of extra bonus material, including the monthly podcast that I co-host with my wife, Lisa, about Howard the Duck. And that one is called What the Duck, a Podcast Most Foul, but with a W because he's a duck. That's the full name of the show. It's a ridiculous name for a show, I'll be amongst the first to admit it, but it's worth listening to, if only for Lisa's insights about a comic book that is at least as ridiculous as the name we gave for the show about it. You can also find us by just searching for the name of the show and the rest of the internet. We're on the normal places you'd expect to find us, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Oh, and we got a P.O. box now, which is... Tighten up the defense, P.O. Box 20311, Portland, Oregon, 97294. I think that's it. Thanks, Hub. Be sure to check out our other shows that we're on, Rick Meets the Legion, which you can find at Comic Reflections, and our junior agent submissions on MI6 Rookie Agents episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. We are on YouTube. Yay! You can find our channel at Jeff and Rick Present. Jeff and Rick Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of three of us here in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are a supporter of the Hero Initiative and will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to 
heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. My wife Lisa and our dog Finley. We We love love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Cool Rock. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Competech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution for a pointer license. Did you want, do you want to do that again? or No, go for it. Well, I think I coughed over the very oh, beginning okay. join. So I'll just start all over there. Yeah, why don't you, just for you. Just, yeah. just for you, I'll do it. I'm a diva. Blam, blam. This cover, we've got uh, Katie Power flying in uh, kind of from the... Uh, Kind of from the sky or behind the the wow i can't talk anymore blam blam i totally did not do that like a darkwing duck <coughs> hello this is power pack and we are here to have some fun blam blam read to the end of the page because rick was too lazy to write it all in blam blam the two kids decide that they need to put a stop to this with a capital s and a small top but they also <coughs> de- <laughs> Blam, blam. Did either of you guys ever attempt any, like, cartoon-like shenanigans and get in trouble for them? I mean, like, say boo to your uncle, but he might catch on fire? Yeah, exactly. Or off, or offer a sick uh, family member a tissue? Um, <laughs> yeah. Or, it's a pretty good prank. You or, gotta or, admit. Yeah. Maybe or, something along the lines of filling up a metal uh, bucket full of gasoline and throwing it on the ground to see how, you know, much fire you can make. Ooh, you did that one? Maybe. Ah. What is what is the have uh, the uh, statute of limitations passed yet? <laughs> <laughs> how much fire did it make? Enough for me to say, huh? How do I operate the uh, hose in the backyard? <laughs> huh? That's a lot of fire. <laughs> I think the only pr- I think the only prank that I did was a very Katie prank. I pulled a chair out from underneath a friend of mine one night, and I still feel bad about it. This there? this was like twenty years ago. Yeah. It hurts a yeah. lot. Hurts. Yeah. I was, yeah. And it was just, it was very, it wasn't a premeditated thing. It was no, just, just like, like I, he's just going, he's going to sit down. And, he's, and I'm like, huh. And then he, punk. And it's just, he's like, ah. And I'm like, I don't know why I did that. I honestly have no idea other than no impulse control. Seems over. like this it would be, be funny. funny. Yeah. No, it's not. And I, again, literally still feel bad 20 years ago. When, it, when I was from a then. tiny, tiny kid. I mean, I must have been like three or four. It's like one of those earliest, earliest memories. I was underneath a chair. My dad was having a party or something. His hand was down. And I did the thing like. I'm going to bite his finger. I really don't remember much of the rest of that night, though. (laughs) Lisa has a pretty good story about that. When she was a kid, she was at her, I think, aunt and uncle's house. And she was a little, little kid. And she bit, I think, either her cousin or her aunt's finger. And her aunt took her and bit her arm and looked at her and said very seriously at her, only crazy people bite. And, like, it wasn't quite hard enough to break the skin, but it wasn't far off. <laughs> but it was enough to leave enough psychic trauma <laughs> yeah, that to much. this day, she'll you'll still catch her looking at her arm for the phantom bite. <laughs> I think this story might have come up on our show before, but Corey did one time hit one of his friends in the head with a frying pan. Oh, <laughs> That yeah. is very, I approve the very uh, Warner Brothers cartoon. Yeah, well, that was his it, idea. Yeah. He was like his friend. Okay. They were playing hide and seek. And because Corey grew up on a commune, uh, his friend was hiding in an outhouse and he knew he was in there. So when he came out, he waited with the cast iron <laughs> frying pan, <laughs> bocked him on the head with it and thought he had killed him yeah. and yeah. ran home. Oh, man. And then 
heard his friend screaming at the top of his lungs and was he he was like yeah at first i was like oh good i didn't kill him and then oh that means i'm in trouble (laughs) hey you want to go see a dead body (laughs) well it's still screaming i didn't finish the job (laughs) 